You're listening to a message from Christian Life Ministries in Coventry, a dynamic, growing church in the heart of the nation. We pray that God will speak to you through this word and impact your life for His glory. Well, it's so good to have a new year. A new year offers us, if you like, a blank page, a fresh start, something of an opportunity to start over and to start afresh. And most of us, we welcome new starts. Perhaps you can remember, in fact, perhaps you are at school still. Just raise a hand if you still go to school. Okay, that's quite a few. Thank you, you can put your hands down. Maybe you're not still at school, but maybe you can remember when you were at school, when you used to get a new exercise book. Because you know like books in your bag, they get mashed up, don't they? They get dog-eared. There's crossings out, there's mistakes, there's that homework you did terribly on and it's got all that marking all over. All those things, and then you get a new book. It's like a fresh start. We can get rid of all that messy stuff from before. And you want to keep it nice, don't you? On that first page, do you remember? It's like, I'm going to do my best writing on the first page. Make sure you've got a a decent pen, and you just try for as long as you can to keep the book pristine. Let's make sure there's no mistakes, at least on the front page. Do you know what I'm saying? Yes. Now, I don't have an exercise book for my work as such anymore, but I do keep a journal that I write in every day as part of my devotional time with God. And I've got to say that when I start a new one, the same process takes place. It's like, can't, can't do a front page of a new book with that pen. I need a decent pen. I don't want any blotting, don't want any messing. And it's always really disappointing if you make a mistake and have to cross out on the first page of a new journal. It's not the biggest deal, but you know, new, new starts give us a fresh opportunity to do things how we want them to be done. Now, of course, we know that we don't always maintain the standards that we want to, which is why most of us so appreciate our fresh start. We can move on from the crossings out, move on from the mistakes, and go again, seeking to do better next time. And of course, New Year gives us an opportunity to do that. This is why so many people make New Year's resolutions. It's time for a fresh start. Let's go again. In fact, I wonder, uh, anyone in the room got a New Year's resolution? I'm not going to ask you. Just show me a hand if you've got some, one or two. If you're online, you can just put that in the chat. If you've got a New Year's resolution. Any boys and girls got New Year's resolutions? Just show me a hand. There's a few boys and girls. Nice one. Very good. Now, I don't want to kind of pour cold water on this, but I will let you know half of all Americans make New Year's resolutions, and 8% of them get fulfilled. I don't know who did the stats on that, but I'm sure they're very reliable. Did you know that... um, They reckon that 50% of gym memberships taken out in January never get used. (laughs) Never get used. That's a lot of money to never even go. That's an expensive intention, right? I'm just checking that no one in the chat has put a resolution in. No, no one's put a resolution in. That's fine. You still can if you're online and you want to share something with us. Resolutions can be good. They can be helpful, but they're not everything that we need. And here in church this morning, I'm thinking that most of us, this is our, I know that some of us were here last night, most of us, this is our first time 
gathering to worship in 2023. And so we're really setting the tone of how we're going to set out with the Lord for 2023, for a new year, how we're going to set out afresh, how we're going to, I guess, seek to manage to do things a bit more how we want to do them. And so this morning, really, this, it's not going to be a long message, but it's to help us to rededicate our lives to Jesus and to position our lives afresh to be set apart for him. And we're going to read in a few moments some verses from the Old Testament, which are when Solomon dedicated the temple that had been built for the Lord. And that may seem a bit of a strange place for us to go today. But you know, Paul, who wrote much of the New Testament, when he wrote to the Corinthians, he explained to them that when we're followers of Jesus, it's as though our bodies are temples. He actually said these words, 1 Corinthians 6, 13, said, do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? For every one of us who is a follower of Jesus, our bodies are temples of Holy Spirit. This is how being a Christian works. Christ comes into us by his spirit and makes his home in us. And so on this New Year's Day, whether you're old or young, whether you've seen a lot of New Year's Days or not very many at all, there's just some simple lessons here for us. As we set out afresh, as we look at what Solomon did when he dedicated that physical temple so long ago, there's some simple things for us to learn. It's a little bit of background. I know some of us know the Bible really well, but some of us are just getting to grips with us, with it. So you'll remember Moses brought the people out of Egypt. God was bringing a people for himself, and his desire was to dwell in the midst of his people. So he gave instructions to Moses to build a tabernacle. It's essentially a special tent. There were specific instructions about special things that were meant to be in there, because this tent was going to house God's presence in the middle of his people. And right at the heart of the holy place in this tabernacle was a place where the Ark of the Covenant was going to be kept, and the presence of God dwelt there. And Moses used to go in and speak to the Lord, pray, but kind of speak like a man speaks to another man in this center of the tent. But it was temporary. It was a tent. You see, the people of God didn't have a land that was theirs where they could build stuff. They had to have something that could be taken down and put back up and moved with them. But it provided a way for God to dwell in the middle of his people as they moved around. But as we follow God's people, follow the journey through the Old Testament, he gives them a land. He leads them into it. We heard last night at Watch Night about the point when they crossed over the Jordan into what God was giving them. And he helped them overcome the enemies that were there in the land so that in time they had a peaceful place where they could build a permanent place for God to dwell in the middle of his people. It was a big deal. There was a careful pattern. There were specific things that needed to be in specific places. Lots of it looked a lot like what was in the tabernacle, but now it was permanent structures rather than temporary ones. You know, it took seven years to build the temple. And if you read what it says in 1 Kings, it seems that 100,000 different men were involved in the building. That is a lot of people and a lot of organization. But they got it done in seven years. And when it was done, it was an incredible moment of a new start and a new season for God's people. A season when they were going to have God dwelling 
in the midst of them in a more permanent way than they had done before. And it began with bringing the ark of God, this big wooden chest overlaid with gold that housed the presence of God. It began with bringing that in and then dedicating the temple, setting it apart from the Lord. And so we're going to read some of these verses. 1 Kings chapter 8, I'm going to read verses 1 to 11. It says this, Then King Solomon summoned into his presence at Jerusalem the elders of Israel, all the heads of the tribes and the chiefs of the Israelite families, to bring up the ark of the Lord's covenant from Zion, the city of David. All the Israelites came together to King Solomon at the time of the festival, in the month of Ethanim, the seventh month. When all the elders of Israel had arrived, the priests took up the ark, and they brought up the ark of the Lord and the tent of meeting and all the sacred furnishings in it, The priests and the Levites carried them up. And King Solomon and the entire assembly of Israel that had gathered about him were before the ark, sacrificing so many sheep and cattle that they could not be recorded or counted. The priests then brought the ark of the Lord's covenant to its place in the inner sanctuary of the temple, the most holy place, and put it beneath the wings of the cherubim. The cherubim spread their wings over the place of the ark and overshadowed the ark and its carrying poles. These poles were so long that their ends could be seen from the holy place in front of the inner sanctuary, but not from outside the holy place. And they are still there today. There was nothing in the ark except the two stone tablets that Moses had placed in it at Horeb, where the Lord made a covenant with the Israelites after they came out of Egypt. When the priests withdrew from the holy place, the cloud filled the temple of the Lord. And the priests could not perform their service because of the cloud, for the glory of the Lord filled his temple. Now, I know in those verses there's some big and some strange words. It's maybe hard to imagine, but they brought this big, heavy wooden chest that represented and carried the presence of God into the temple that had been made to be a home for the presence of God. And the first thing that I think we can learn from these scriptures here today about dedicating the temple of our lives is to be home to the presence of God. It's simply to be home, to make our lives and our bodies home for Him. As we dedicate ourselves this morning afresh to be temples of the Holy Spirit, it it might be good for us again to commit our lives and our bodies to be a home for Holy Spirit, a place set aside for the presence of God. You know, Solomon, the priests and the Levites that we read about in those verses, they'd been given careful instructions to follow. What needed to be in the temple and where it needed to be and how to move the ark. It all had to be done in certain ways. There were rings on the edge of the ark and poles had to be put through it. And then particular people had to carry it on their shoulders. The presence of God had to be carried on the shoulders of men but not touched by their hands. There were specific things, specific ways. Being and making a home for the presence of God, it came with care, with attention, with obedience. They had to listen to the things they'd been told and decide to work with it. Now, I know the Lord is gracious and He forgives and He is kind with us, but it's also true that we cannot be careless with how we live and what we do if we want to be home for the presence of God. 
And as we rededicate the temple of our lives today, of course, it's good to simply invite Holy Spirit again to come and to fill us and to dwell us. But also, perhaps we need to set out again to be careful with our lives and with our bodies, to allow Holy Spirit to be at home and to feel at home here. I'm sure we're all familiar with the term, make yourself at home. Perhaps you've been to someone else's house and they've said, oh, make yourself at home. Maybe you did feel at home, maybe you didn't. Because what, we, what we're meaning when we say that is, I, I know in different homes we do things differently. We have different ways, maybe different cultures, different approaches to things. But when you're in my home, I want you to do as you would do in your home. I want you to be fully comfortable. I don't want you to feel that you have to change anything to be in my home. That's what we're meaning when we say make yourself at home. Be yourself fully, freely. So how can we make Holy Spirit feel at home in us? What might that look like practically in our lives? Well, I've found out some things about God as I read through the Bible. I find out a bit what he's like and what he likes. And it helps me to know how to make Holy Spirit feel at home in my life. Simple things. It tells us that he's the spirit of truth. So I know he likes truth. So I need to get rid of anything of lying or deceit or any of that stuff. I know he's love and he likes love. So I'm going to try to be loving, not selfish but generous to others. I know he's honoring, and honoring others makes him feel at home. So perhaps being careful about how we speak about others, how we treat others, is going to be important. I know that he's patient, and he's kind, and he's faithful. So these things will make him feel at home. I know that he's gracious and merciful, and holy. And so if I can somehow make room for these things in my life, not judging others, but loving them as he's loved me, if I can try and deal with the things in my life so I'm not loving sin or pursuing sin, and that will make him feel at home. Now let me be really clear, I've still got a lot of work to do in my life to make Holy Spirit feel at home here. The work of making my life, my body, a temple for Holy Spirit where he just loves to be and wouldn't want to ever be anywhere else is not something that's done quickly. He is gracious and he dwells here. But each year he's helping me. He walks with me, teaches me, changes me. This is not just something that I do for him. It's something graciously I do with him, with his help as he walks with me. But as I start a new year, as I rededicate the temple of my life, I'm coming this morning saying, Lord, this year, let me be a home for you by your grace and your mercy. Help me live carefully and attentive to what makes you at home here. And I'm inviting you to do the same this morning. Because dedicating the temple of our lives is first and foremost to be home. Just to be home. I find it beautiful what happens in the text as they bring the ark into this central place in the temple. It says this, when the priests withdrew from the holy place, the cloud filled the temple of the Lord and the priests could not perform their service because of the cloud for the glory of the Lord filled his temple. 
there was this cloud of the presence and the glory of God. You know, I've been in some settings and situations where there's been such a an intense, beautiful, almost heavy sense of the presence of God. We experience that sometimes here at CLM, but I haven't yet seen the cloud of His glory. Maybe some of you have in different settings somewhere else. I've never yet been in a setting where people have been totally unable to do what was planned because of the power and presence of God. It's true, there have been settings where we've sensed the presence of God and we've put aside what we planned because we want to see and try and make room for what Holy Spirit is doing. But what it says in this text, it sounds like a different level. It's something more. It's something beyond when the glory fills the temple. I desire to see the cloud of the glory of the Lord very much. But I notice the words here. It says, the glory of the Lord filled his temple. The literal translation, the glory of the Lord filled the temple of the Lord. He fills and he's filling his temple. As we rededicate the temple of our lives today, these verses call us to be his. Simply to be his, not mine. And this really takes us a, a further level on, not just from saying, I want you to be at home in my life, but it's surrendering. It's saying, I want my life to be yours. I am yours. To truly dedicate the temple of our lives is to be his. You see, his glory fills what is his. You may have heard it said before that the Lord does not share his glory with another. He fills what is his, what has been given to him. In fact, Paul, in the verse that I quoted at the start, he goes on to say, not only your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit. He says, you're not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. To rededicate the temple of our lives, to, re, uh, to consecrate ourselves today is to surrender again, to say, Lord, I'm yours. It means setting out to live this year, not for my agenda, but for his agenda. Not for my will, but for his will. This is about who is the boss of my life. Who is in the driving seat of the car of my life? Probably all of us here today, all of us joining online. We know we want Jesus in the car. We're not, we're not discussing that right now. We know we need him. We know we're lost without him. We don't have another option in that sense. But to let him drive, to give him the key, to take it out and say, do you know what? Why don't you make the decision? You decide the route. You decide the speed. You decide how we take the roundabouts. You decide if we go the scenic route or a route I hate. You choose. You take the key. It's a different decision. It's a different challenge. And some of us, even naturally, we like to drive and we're quite happy to have people in the car, but we don't really want to not be at the wheel. And I've got to say, with some people's driving, that is the right call. That's the right call. But with God, we can trust God to be in the driving seat of our lives. He is the one who made everything. He is the one who knows everything that will happen today, tomorrow, and for eternity. In fact, it's madness, really, that we find it hard to hand over the keys of our life and say, why don't you choose the route? Why don't you drive? 
But you see, for most of us, we have a desire for control or for the illusion of control. And we really struggle to let go of it. I want to see the glory of the Lord, but I don't want my life to be his. Where I work, what I'm paid, what doors are open to me, who I spend time with, what relationships I invest in, how I steward who you have made me to be. I give you the keys. I'm yours. You know, God can do so much more than we can if we will fully trust him with what we have because his glory fills what is his. His glory fills what is his. It's how he works. It's what he does. So dedicating the temple of our lives is to be his. When you read through 1 Kings 8, beyond the verses that I read, it's all speaking of matters that seem, I guess, high and holy, a temple, a building, the presence of God. Perhaps even as you're here today, you're thinking, I don't, I don't know if I can even live up to this. I don't know if I can do this. I, don't, I think maybe this is beyond me. But there's a third thing that I notice in the verses beyond what I'd already read. That I think dedicating the temple of our lives calls us to be honest. Honest. You see, what happens after the verses we've already read is that Solomon prays, he's the king, he prays this, what you would expect to be a grand prayer of dedication. But the thing that is staggering as you read it is how brutally honest and humble he gets in his prayer. Because really he starts talking to God about the fact that he knows that people are not actually very good at following God. They've not got a great track record and he knows they're not going to do much better going forward that they're going to mess up at points, and that when they do, they're going to need to return to this place. And I, I won't read the whole passage because it's long, but here's some of what Solomon prays about. He says, Lord, when a man wrongs his neighbor, when your people have been defeated because they've sinned, when the heavens are shut up because your people have sinned, and when they sin against you, for there's no one who doesn't sin, when they sin against you, and he goes on with all these different scenarios of how it might not play out, how everyone really wants it to play out. And he prays this prayer of dedication, he says, and when they do this, and when they do that, and when they come back to this point, will you hear from heaven? And will you forgive their sin? And will you help your people? Solomon's honesty in his prayer of dedication to me is breathtaking. Because at the very moment that the presence of God, the holy God, has just come and filled his temple in a cloud of glory that has blown their minds to anything they've seen or experienced before, at that point Solomon gets real and gets honest with God. That they're going to mess up again. That he knows they won't live up to it. And perhaps as we dedicate our lives again, the temple of our lives at the start of this year. Yes, we might seek to be a home for the presence of God, yet we're going to bring our lives to him to be his. But even as we do so, knowing and being honest that we won't walk out this year perfectly, 
even as we set our hearts to do so, even as we make our decisions and action some of the things, because all of us still have vulnerabilities and battles. All of us have issues and temptations. And yes, Christ helps us to get victory. And we should absolutely have an expectation to walk in more of that victory in the coming year than we have done before. But we're still living in our fallen flesh. We're still living in our humanity. We can still experience a battle sometimes to live fully and freely as God's people. This is being honest. Sometimes we drift. Sometimes we lose focus. Sometimes we get involved in relationships that are unhelpful. Sometimes we get distracted. We get caught up in things. Sometimes things that seem good. Sometimes things that aren't good and we just get caught up in them anyway. And they take us away from God. This is the reality of our lives and our struggles. But it doesn't rule us out from dedicating again today the temple of our lives and of our bodies. But it just requires us to be honest. To say, you know, I can still make a decision that I want to go in this direction, even though I know there's probably going to be points this year when I don't walk it out how I wanted to. I'm not planning to do that, but I know, because I know me, there's going to be points, and I'm going to need to then come back to a place I was at before. So today we come as we are with our hopes, with our commitments as to how we're going to walk out the year, some which we'll hit, some which we may not, but we can commit that we're going to be honest. You see, honest provides us a way to come back. It provides us the route back when we make our mistakes. Solomon knew that the dedicated temple was to be a place where God would dwell. And that when the people messed up, when they lost their way, when they drifted, when they all that list of things, that at those points, the temple, the place of dedication would be a place they could come back to. A point they could come back to and say, no, I set out to do this differently. I set out to walk with God, and I'm going to come back to that place. And I'll say sorry. And I know in this place I'll find forgiveness. And the Lord will help me. And we can go again. So as we dedicate the temple of our lives today, let's be honest. And commit to honesty in the journey ahead. Knowing we're all human. And to commit that when we don't hit the standards that we set out to hit, that we're going to come back to this point, this point of dedication. That's how I set out. That's where I'm going to get back to. And by the grace and in the forgiveness of Jesus, I'm going to get back on track. Because dedicating the temple of our lives, it's simple. It's to be home. It's to be his. And it's to be honest. They're not necessarily easy to live out, but they're simple. A way to help us live with the presence and the glory of Jesus at the center of our lives and to carry that presence to the world around us and how we know we need it and those around us need it. Solomon knew that when he prayed, even in the circumstances that he listed before the Lord, that when the people would come back to that place, even when they'd messed up, that when they came and when they prayed and when they said sorry, that the Lord was there to hear and to heal and to help. It's what God had always shown himself to do and to be. And he knew that they would do it again. And 
we live like this, dedicated to him, then at any moment when we cry out to him and pray, he will hear and he will help. He will heal. I know there's many people in the room is probably joining us online. As you look into 2023, you don't even know if you can make it. You're just trying to get through today, and then you're going to try and get through the week, and you don't really want to look much further than that. There's people in tough situations and circumstances. When we live dedicated to the Lord, when we cry out to him, he hears and he helps. He hears and he helps. He will walk with you through every day. He will bring you what you need. Sometimes he delivers us from, sometimes he delivers us through. I don't understand why he chooses one or the other, but I do know that he's faithful, and I do know that he never walks out on us, and I do know we can always come back to him, and he is good. And whatever you're going to need, whatever you're going to need, he's got it. He's got it. He's got it. He'll hear and he'll help. I want to invite us this morning to rededicate the temple of our lives, to be home to his spirit, to resurrender, to be his, and to come and be honest. And in every moment when we need to, to pray and to cry out for help or for his forgiveness or for all of those things, that we might walk through the year trusting. It's this place of being dedicated to the Lord that is perhaps the most key thing in all the rest of our lives that changes how everything else lines up or doesn't line up. But it's whether we're walking right with the Lord. And simply before we sing a final song of worship, I want us to take a moment to respond this morning. To take a bit of time simply to rededicate the temple of our lives to the Lord. The Lord knows you, all about you, all the stuff, the pain, the challenges, the issues, everything you walked through in 2022. And he loves you. He loves you. He loves you. And he wants to walk with you in 2023. And he invites you to rededicate your life again this morning. Maybe for you today, the key thing is to invite Holy Spirit to be at home in your life. To help you to make your life, to make your body a home where he is at home. Perhaps this morning, you just know you need to bring him the keys to the car of your life again today. See, I've been trying to run this myself, but I need to surrender. See, this is yours. I'm going to live for your agenda, for your will this year. I want your glory to fill this life. And if it will only fill my life, if it's yours, I want it to be yours. And maybe you just need to come honest again. So it would help me to know how much you love me and that I don't ever need to pretend, but 
to keep coming, to come as I am, to come with my stuff, to come with the things I desperately need help with, but to know that this is the place where I find it. Now is our moment to do some business with the Lord and you might want to get on your knees. You might want to come out the front. There's plenty of room. It's the first day of the year. We don't get this day and this moment again. So let's make it count. Let's bring our response to him this morning. You might want to stand. Father, we thank you for your amazing grace. We thank you for your desire to dwell among your people and to dwell in us. We thank you that we don't have to be perfect for you to do that. We just need to be in Jesus. We thank you we can come honest, we can come open, we can come as we are, and you work with us. And Holy Spirit, we open our hearts wide again to you today. Holy Spirit, will you make your home in me? Will you make your home in us? Would you fill us afresh today? Would you fill us with another measure of your presence and your glory? And help us to live this year making our lives and our bodies home for you. Pray also that as a community of people, as a church, you keep building us together into a house where you dwell, into a home where you love to be. Come and bring you our lives again. Father, I'm sorry that even in the face of all your beauty, your brilliance, your love, that you are the omnipotent one, that I still sometimes want to hold on to the reins of my life. And I let go of them again today. So I want to be yours, Jesus. I want my life to be yours, fully yours. Please, would you help us to walk this out, to have grace to walk this out. Father, we ask in your grace and mercy that you would look at us and know that we are your temple and you would be able to fill our lives with your glory and you would be able to fill this house with your glory because it's yours. Father, we ask for a fresh revelation of your grace, that we might walk with a humility and honesty and openness with you that just keeps us coming back, walking close with you, 
not wandering too far, but always knowing we can come as we are. And you receive us, and you hear us, and you help us. So fill our lives, we pray. Let these temples, and let this temple be filled with your glory. For the honor of your name, Jesus. For the honor of your name.